This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This time on the Fedora Chronicles radio show and Diesel Punk podcast, Daisy O'Dare, John Pica, Larry Amiot, and of course myself, Eric Renderking Fisk, talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, canceled Diesel Punk shows, toxic fans, and tin can Tommies. This episode was recorded just before the power went out in my neighborhood and we were unable to properly sign off. If this episode ends too abruptly, we apologize in advance. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey there, all you guys and gals, Hepcats, Cool Kittens, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. This is the Diesel Punk Podcast and Fedora Chronicles radio show. And this is the Diesel Punk clan, as it were. We've got Eric Renderking Fisk from New England. Say hello, Eric. See, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to make it through the show because we have a horrible storm coming through, and this is really super exciting for me. I'm just so glad to be here. So, if <laughs> if if I suddenly go silent and I go dead, it's not over anything that you said. So, get well, there you go. I hope that doesn't happen because you're the one recording this show. I know. Uh oh. Exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and the other voice you heard is the legendary, almost bordering on cryptozoological specimen, elusive, <laughs> the, the, the chairman of the board, Larry Amiet. Hi, everybody. Great to be here. It's been a while, Larry. It Glad has, my friend. Connect, my brother. I agree. It has been long too long. Well, we'll talk about why in a minute. And, of course, joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada, from the Star Trek convention, the one, the only, the daring damsel of the skies, Daisy O'Dare. What's buzzing, cousins? How are you all wonderful folks doing out there? Well, I'm doing great. I'm a little bit jealous that you are in Las Vegas. Hey, I'd be jealous of me, too. It's completely understandable. So before we went live on the air, before Larry and Eric joined us, you were you were you were telling me a little bit about what's going on. Oh, well, was that my cue to tell you what's going on? <laughs> I don't so, know. I've been hanging out with Klingons and Ferengi and all kinds of people today. So who knows what they were carrying in their bags? Sounds like fun. Tribbles. Hey, what's they the- were carrying tribbles. Not a tribble at all. <laughs> I just was waiting. I was what I was actually having a <laughs> mental bet inside my head who was going to say it. So, you know, since we're on the topic of Star Trek, is there anything new that's going on in the realm of Star Trek that you know of, Daisy, since you're there in Star Trek Central this week? Anything new as in how new? Like, Because I, I think we all know about Discovery and... Uh, I don't pay a lot of attention to games, and there have been, you know, announcements about games, but I haven't really paid attention to it. Um, right now, I've just been kind of uh, trying to fill up my autograph photos and uh, get pictures of interesting cosplay, which we'll see more and more of as we head towards Saturday, and uh, just hanging out and having a great time with my fellow Trekkies. So I'm not, 
I don't have any great big exciting news for you yet. Then they they might be making bigger announcements further on in the convention. Things are still getting heated up. Let me ask you a quick question. How, how are you liking Discovery? Is Discovery okay by you? Uh, are, are you enjoying it? I think so. You know, it took a little bit to grow on me, but the more I, the more I've watched, the more I'm like, okay, I'm on board and I'm going to give this a chance. Uh, Star Trek Discovery has not caught on with me, hasn't captured my love and, and affection the way the next generation did. So, I, well, I, you know, we're all, we all like different stuff. You know, everyone has their, everybody has their pet show that they like. But um, I really also kind of appreciate how uh, it seems like Discovery is it really has invigorated the fandom. Really, too. Again, really. Made, I I'm seeing a lot of um, I'm seeing a lot of people here who are really excited about Discovery. So I think it's mm. starting to really catch on. You know, I always thought it was ironic that CBS owns all the rights to Trek now, at least as television spinoffs considering their history with star trek is right. really bad uh, you know what i'm talking about daisy um yeah yeah i uh, you know stuff gets passed around all the time and my issue that i have with discovery is is that they should not have reinvented some of the wheels i don't think that they should they should not have messed with the klingons they, the Klingons are the Klingons are the Klingons. We've had one Klingon reboot. I don't think we need another one. Um, well, to be fair, um, when we first had Klingons, our, our special effects and makeup effects were uh, a lot more limited. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> so, uh, but, but the redesign doesn't bug me so much. The Klingons that, that we had, starting with Klingon, uh, the, the Star Trek, the motion picture... Star Trek three, every everything since nineteen seventy nine has been pretty consistent. I, I don't know why they had to change the Klingons again, but you know, that's just me. I guess yeah. call me retro. That's uh, a very good point. Um when Okay, Eric, came, you're retro. <laughs> when the motion picture came out, uh James Dewan was asked, you know, what about this new look? And he said, you know, that's what Roddenberry originally wanted in the television series but budget wouldn't allow for it uh so the look of the movies and then later next generation and all the spinoffs after that was the look that uh had roddenberry's blessing the look that we saw in the star trek reboot and i understand in the std uh doesn't have uh, is a uh, not quite I don't believe in keeping with his uh, his vision, uh, but you know that's my two useless sense for my old Trekkie, not Trekker, old Trekkie. Uh, well, hey, I'm a Trekkie too, and uh, I'm on board with most of it. I didn't really care much for Into Darkness, but Beyond won me back when it came to the new movies because out of the three new movies, Beyond is the one that feels the most Star Trek. Oh, okay, okay. See, I'm like you about Into Darkness. I am not a. F- I was not a fan at all of Into Darkness. Um, I could live with the others because they admitted, you know, hey, we're a different timeline. You know, so now they- have you seen Beyond? You've seen Beyond, right? 
Uh, no, actually, I haven't seen Beyond. I saw the original. I saw the first reboot. Then, then I saw uh, In the Darkness, and it's like uh, I'm out of here. So I have no, not seen Beyond. It. It feels the most like what Star Trek was because the crew is more like a family. It's not just the Kirk and Spock show. And, you know, everybody has really important things that they're doing. And one thing that bugged me about the new movies was young Kirk acting like the frat boy of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. You can tell that character has really matured and grown into his role as a leader. And he actually steps up and he's... I like the new Kirk in Beyond, and I like I like the new character that they bring in. I'm I'm kind of a fond of Jayla. She's pretty cool. Cool. Okay. Interesting. I think it's on one of the movie channels, so I need to check it out. I guess if we want to keep things diesel punk, you want to talk about a piece of the action? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will come right out and tell you. I'm not a really no. I'm just I because I I think my issue with Star Trek in general has been sort of like the fans have sort of put the cart in front of the horse. Hmm. I That could be that could be fair. I, I, I like I like it when Star Trek is just one of those things where it's like we're not able to travel into space yet. You can't get a uh, um a career in space force quite yet. <laughs> not yet watching Star Trek is one of those things that you watch for an hour each week kind of to hold you over I I cannot abide the, the, the Trekkies and the Trekkers who have no interest in real space travel what's really going on in the realm of whether it's NASA SpaceX Space Div okay. ESA uh, oh. what alright there are a lot of Star Trek fans that have interest mm. in real space. And now, I, if you go to a Star Trek yeah. convention, you will see panels that are all about science and all about space exploration. Those are my and people. And how, what? Those are my people. The people who are interested yeah. in every aspect of space exploration. Those are my people. I, yeah, and there's and the fandom and there are a lot of people in the fandom who do embrace that. Maybe you've just maybe you've just been hanging with the wrong Trekkies. Yeah, I probably. No, I I totally concede that. Um I and the last Star Trek convention I went to, the problem is is that it it was it really sort of got not a militant. Some of the fans were a little militant. This one fan in particular had asked Marina Sirtis of all people, "How come? How come you're not tackling um, real social issues on on Star Trek?" And it's like, "What show are you watching?" Really? It's the only show that's that's actually handling modern social issues. Right. Right. Sorry, Johnny. I just saw your icon pop up. It's a Star Trek podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> They've won me over. Uh, <laughs> They've won me over to the dark side, Johnny. Well, you know that that's it. yeah, you're absolutely right though. I mean, it's Star Trek the science and all the technology is almost what Hitchcock called a MacGuffin. Uh, MacGuffin is a plot device to tell the bigger story uh, about what humanity could be, the excitement, adventure, uh the whole 
everything is the aliens are meant to be different types of humans looking back at us or the Klingons one type and there's always need to be a data or a Spock who's an outsider mm-hmm. that analyzes yeah, humanity yeah. and it's a mirror for us to bounce humanity off of uh, so those are the larger pictures that Roddenberry wanted to explore in that and what human potential could be space exploration was such a cool yarn and a great way of uh uh, pursuing that yeah i um i completely agree uh one of the uh actors i was most excited about seeing here was cole mini because i've never seen him at a convention before he played you know chief o'brien on um d space nine and he was you know transporter chief o'brien on the next generation and he said you know he didn't care about science fiction until he started acting on star trek and found that you could do that you could uh, uh tell a story about these problems going on in the world without openly saying it, but still make people understand a little bit more. It's it's like almost like a parable. Oh yeah, that's very good. I like that. Is it like a parable? Um, indeed, indeed. Well, you talked about um, diesel punk trek. Um, yeah. Oh, what was the one? I can't think of its name. Not Pat, uh, it's the one where they go into a planet that had been contaminated by some Yahoo explorer who thought that uh, Nazi Germany was, you know, they had it down. So we need to recreate um, Nazi Germany and we can make it a positive force. What the heck was the name of that episode? I can't remember the name of that episode. Hang on. Let me see if I can find it, but I know exactly the one you're talking about. I feel like it was called Patterns of... No, it wasn't Patterns of Force, and it wasn't Balance of Terror. No, Balance of Terror. Hang on a second. Yeah. I feel like it was something of something. No, it was Patterns of Force. I stand corrected. It was the one. Yeah, it was the one. So. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, yes. Johnny, yeah, we can hear you. Back. Oh my good bless America. Do you, do you want your show back, Johnny? <laughs> no, hey, just, it's our show, but yeah. you guys have no idea what I just had to go through to get back on. Transported malfunction, I had Daisy. To, oh my gosh. I, I swear to God, I hate Dell and, and I hate Microsoft. I have a brand new Dell laptop mm-hmm. that is a flipping boat anchor. It's Uh-oh. useless. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm really upset about it. It, I waited too long to return it. I should have returned it. Now I can't. And, uh, it's, it's a useless piece of garbage. So then I switched over to my iPhone and, uh, in a, in a iOS update, Skype got deleted, so I had to re-download it. Well, now you have to sign in with a Microsoft account. I don't have a Microsoft account, so I had I had to create a Microsoft uh, account. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I went through. I took me almost a half hour. I got started getting ready yeah. for this podcast about a half hour yeah, before. Hey, hey, very hey, recently Johnny, we're talking about. Yeah, the Microsoft account that you're talking about is the Microsoft account that you use to log into your Dell. You don't have to have one to start with, but I happened to bought a Word product, mm-hmm. a Microsoft product. It made me create an account, and then it forced my computer to use it as a, every time I log in, which par- it frustrates me. But uh, 
yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm 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 not happy with microsoft right now i'm not happy with skype i'm not happy with dell computers uh luckily the good old apple iphone is to the rescue but um my my beautiful brand new yeti microphone from blue microphones because i got a second one it's too powerful for my iphone so i'm just on my earbuds once again so anyway continue talking about star trek it was a fascinating (laughs) discussion and uh (laughs) plays very uh concisely into uh our topics tonight (laughs) well we i think we were getting there weren't we guys we were talking about a little uh, diesel punk uh trek yeah and uh So that kind of thing kind of feeds in a little bit to what we're. Let's use that as a segue. Now we're going to talk about all the other wonderful diesel podcasts out there. Whatever's on Johnny's agenda is it's on my agenda too. So (laughs) beam me up, Johnny. Well, okay. So so let's catch all of our listeners up. It's it's been forever since all four of us have been together, and it feels like. Eric, it's been three or four weeks since you and I have been together. Oh, I know. And, I know. Yeah, and I think there's even uh, like a, an episode lingering out there somewhere that hasn't been published. As yet. soon as I find it, as soon as I find it, it will be up, Johnny. But this one right here, <laughs> I'm putting it up. I'm going to tell you something right now. You are not the only one having computer problems, Johnny. It's well, not, it's not just you. Well, for our fans, yes, we, we continue to be plagued by the authoritarian gremlins who, uh, you know, want to quell our diesel punk rebellion. But more than that, Eric and I have been the two busiest guys on the planet lately. Um, Eric, you've been dealing with uh, some family stuff, your father's estate, new jobs, part-time jobs. I've started a new gig at the House of Cards in Nashville, which, by the way, if you're in Middle Tennessee and you haven't been to House of Cards yet and you're a diesel punk, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's a 1930 speakeasy. you got to go through a secret passage and you get transported back in time. Come join me. But anyway, I'm there two, three, sometimes four nights a week. And so, you know, life and work and, and technology has kind of gotten in the way of our uh, diesel punk pursuits so that's where we are did i lose you no no you haven't okay. you no, haven't no, lost right us here. i yeah, will I will, everyone's just kind of sitting in stunned silence i will yeah. also i will also interject here johnny that there's a lot of things going on here in the steampunk retro punk community here and i do not want to perseverate over over on all of this uh, but I but I will say that there is a huge announcement that we were supposed to break tonight. We were supposed to have a special guest. Never bothered to get on the show. Um, for some reason, she couldn't make it, but she will be on sometime in the near future to tell us what's new uh, in, the, uh, in the world of steampunk here in the Northeast. Well, that sounds very cool. We'll look forward to that. Um, what's new in the world of... Uh, uh of steampunk in in Nashville, Middle Tennessee, is that the diesel 
on profit of pop culture, yours truly has uh, has kind of tilted to the uh, steam side for a, a little while. I, I've got a show coming up that we're doing a, a steampunk cabaret review, um, steampunk burlesque, and uh, I'm doing it for the Doctor Who steampunk convention in Clarksville, and uh, um, I'm. I'm not going to change anything I do. My style is not changing, but we got some steampunk performers that are going to be on it. Um, so uh, brand new steampunk convention in Middle Tennessee, uh, September 29th and 30th. And uh, I'm there as a special guest, as an entertainment guest. And um, there's not been a steampunk convention in Middle Tennessee ever. So this is the first one. And um because it's kind of still, yeah. I mean, here it's it's a small niche market. They're coupling it with a Doctor Who convention, which is really more along the lines of a diesel punk. But the organizers really don't know the difference. They're just like dollar signs. And so, um, I'm involved in helping put it together. So, uh, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, just you know, connect with me on that. But uh, so that kind of catches us up with our audience, though. Uh, guys, but but did you guys hear the news? So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the official news from NBC came down that one of our favorite TV shows was indeed canceled, Timeless, after it ended on a huge cliffhanger, unresolved cliffhanger. Jeez. And um, the, the fans Fans wrote in, and NBC heard our cries, and they are not bringing the full series back, but they are going to come back with a two-hour finale so that they can at least wrap up that cliffhanger and wrap up the story once and for all. I think that's a mistake. I think think that it was a mistake for them to bring it back and then cancel it again. Make a commitment. Do the show. You ended it on a cliffhanger. It has a following. And you know what? This happens every time a great show has a great following. Like Firefly. Perfect example. They shouldn't have canceled the show. They should have just kept it on. And it's like every show should come with maybe a three or five year commitment. Instead of like... NBC has a 50 year history of doing that. We talked about Star Trek earlier. They killed it in season three thinking it wasn't popular. And, well, we know the truth behind it. So NBC has a history of this. They shoot themselves in the foot all the time. Well, it's not yeah. just NBC. It's, it's, no. it's all of the networks. But they're notoriously bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we can rejoice. Hurrah, hurrah. We will at least get the resolution to Timeless. And um, – I don't know about you guys, but this has been one of my favorite shows in the last 10 years, especially season two. Uh, You know, it's not strictly diesel punk, but they spent a lot of time, a lot of time in season two in the diesel era. And, you know, when we're dealing with time travel and changing the future and timelines, that's that science fiction and fantasy element that makes it. Uh, not diesel period, but diesel punk. And um, really, really fantastic show that uh, I love a lot. Any other thoughts on that? 
Anything? Anyone? Anyone? No, I, th- I, th- I think you know. I think it's. I think it's good. I agree that at least, at least give it closure. You know, we didn't have closure really with uh, um, Agent Carter. I drew a blanket moment there. We didn't have really closure, I don't think, on Agent Carter because that when we thought it was over, then they ended it with a cliffhanger, and that was it. Yeah, and because um, they the the showrunners really thought there would be a season three, mm-hmm. and uh, you know maybe what what would be great is if uh, now that was on ABC, but yeah, what would be ABC. great? No, I mean the thing is is that this seems to happen quite often with science fiction shows on all of the major networks. Larry, I, I seem to oh, think yeah, that yeah. you have a. I, I think you have a, a bug up your bum for NBC and what they did to Star Trek. But I think that, that I can is. look at so many other other networks that they've allowed che- cheesy, dumb shows to run forever. But mm-hmm. when it comes to a thought-provoking science fiction TV show, they cut it extra quick. It's like, okay, we gave it three episodes, no one's watching, bang, we'll take it off the air. I know that that's hyperbole and all like that, but it does, it does seem like that's what they do with shows that they spend millions of dollars building the sets, making the costumes, making the props, mm-hmm. building the background. And then they don't. Yeah, Daisy. They don't even promote them either. They don't promote them, and they put them on at weird times. It's almost as if they're embarrassed by science fiction shows. The, the almost fact that seems like it. They they want because they, they want all the attention towards their medical dramas or their legal dramas or the police procedurals, and it never sort of occurs to them. Just look, you look at something like NCIS. NCIS. I don't think NCIS was an immediate hit. I think it, it took maybe a season or two to find its stride. Now, look at it. It's going on 15, 16 seasons. Uh, you know, it's I, it, it boggles the mind why they cannot just let, let a show find its audience and just run with it. Well, Larry said it before, is because... In, in the world of entertainment, science fiction is still considered disrespectable. Mm-hmm. It's for whatever reason. Um, you know, look, here's what TV executives have failed to notice. What have the biggest blockbuster movies been in the last four or five years? I think George Lucas came up with a small, low-budget movie that... You know, <laughs> I might be wrong. well, yeah. The biggest blockbusters in the last forty years have been science fiction action adventure movies, and last year alone, in two thousand seventeen through this period in two thousand eighteen, geek culture in movies and TV has been a seven billion dollar revenue generating business. Seven billion dollars. And, you know, um, CBS or CW, well, both of them, CW and and CBS, they they seem to have kind of uh, figured out the formula um, and and, uh, especially the CW now with uh, all of the DC shows, uh, you know.
Did we lose Johnny again? To figure out that market, and and you know, I think what CW has figured out is that people don't watch live TV anymore. <laughs> they they they're the mass majority of people if they're not doing Hulu or Netflix. Uh, or you know the the live streaming apps like the CW app. That's how I watch all my CW shows is on their app uh, on on my smart TV. If they're not doing that, they're DVRing it and watching it when they want because people want content on demand. And we've talked about this over and over and over. The studios, the TV studios, and the networks they they just cannot wrap their heads around this model. It's, it's like back in the early 90s when I was a record executive for a record label here in Nashville and Napster came on the scene mm. and record executives went into a tailspin, into a panic to try to figure out what to do to kill this new distribution you know, media and... And I saw the writing on the wall. I said, guys, this is the new distribution. This is, this is how it's going to work going forward. And they, they just refused to believe that. They fought against it. And a lot of those labels who resisted digital media and digital downloads don't exist anymore. You know, um, and look, I'm, I'm the first person that wants hard product. Uh, I've embraced the vinyl revolution and went out and bought a new record player and I've been collecting new vinyl and loving playing my vinyl records but I can appreciate the convenience of digital downloads and and the convenience of on-demand programming that you can carry in your pocket and that's what a lot of the TV networks aren't still they're still trying to catch up. And I hate to say this because it's going to sound like I'm denigrating my own, my own demographic, but it's because they're a bunch of old fat white guys that don't understand technology. And, um, so in, until they die off, uh, I don't know that it'll change. And by the time they are out, the current generation you know, there will be a new technology and a new distribution model, and they'll be hanging on to the old ways, too. They'll be fat, white, old men, and it'll just be cyclical. I don't know how to solve that problem. But, you know, I wish that, that ABC and Disney would, would see the, uh, the result. I hope that this timeless finale turns out to be huge ratings and Disney and ABC see that and say, okay, maybe we need to do the same thing for Agent Carter. And because um, I would be really happy if they did that. Mm, I would be too. Uh, you know, Netflix, I can easily see them picking it up uh, with the Marvel tie in, and they're making so oh, yeah. much Marvel stuff. It just yeah, seems like it picked up so much of that. Yeah, it, it makes too much sense, Larry. It makes too much sense. Yeah, they. It's too intelligent. I wonder if we can start a uh, petition to. Netflix. Oh, there is a petition. There, there's, yeah, there's there's a petition to to bring Agent Carter back. It's got uh, right now about fifty thousand signatures, maybe more. Uh, you just go to change.org and you can find it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day. 
I, you know, unless it's a couple hundred million, they're, they're just not going to pay attention. And it's a shame because Agent Carter is phenomenal. And, and you know, Hallie Atwell right now isn't doing anything else. So she's available. Oh, and uh, no, John. Um, golly. No, what? she, she, what? she uh, breaking news. Hallie Atwell finds Wi-Fi hotspot in C to take director's call and cinch a movie role. Oh, that's really? from, that's from the mirror UK. So, hmm. yeah. So she just, she just took another role, but look, I mean, I, she, I think that, look, it was an incredible show. She's an incredible actress. She's easy on the eyes. I know that you young fellows like that. Uh, and the thing is, is that it was like, I mean, she's like, uh, it's like Wonder Woman, but in the Marvel Universe. She is smart. She's intelligent. She's able to take care of things. Oh, but she doesn't have superpowers. You know, uh, the only thing that the only superpower that she has is between her ears. She's a smart, intelligent woman. And I think that, you know, I, I, I think that uh, uh, America deserves to give this young lady a chance and i yeah it, it boggles the mind it it boggles the mind when i see shows like buffy the vampire slayer is is getting a it's either a reboot or a continuation it's a new slayer it's a continuation is is it is it is it the same group of actors and no it, it is a new group um but uh you know at first they were calling it a reboot um and and people lost their minds and uh joss whedon came back and clarified no it's not a reboot it is a continuation of the story and then fans lost their minds again because the way the original series ended they're like how can this be a continuation so i you know i don't know but why not that frustrates me it's fantasy you know the cap Captain Roberts, we've talked about this. Captain Roberts, the steampunk band um, lead singer for Abbey Park, once said that you can't say that your make-believe is more accurate than my make-believe. If they want to make a, come up with some, some speculation to how they restart and reopen Hell's Gate or whatever, they do it. I mean... Yeah, I mean, they can do it. It's just the, you know, the... The toxic fandom is is losing their minds. Is that the to- that, is but, that, that should be? By the way, is this a segue? I, I, are you trolling me? Is this a segue? Go ahead. It could be a segue. Um, <laughs> let, let, let me just say this: Hollywood, stop trying to recapture the magic of the past. Mm. Do original new stuff, or finish what you started. Both would be great, but at least pick one or the other. Uh, let's not go back and reboot and re- you know bring back you know Fuller House and Roseanne and now, uh, Alf. I mean, yeah, on. I saw you talking about Alf. I saw yeah. your thing about Alf earlier today. I mean, yeah. that was just can't they just leave some stuff alone? And that's what I'm saying. Please, please don't rape my childhood. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for but, that. All right. So, so this is a little bit of a segue. And um, I know that, Eric, you dealt 
dealt with this a little bit up in the northeast with uh, some of the steampunks in your area. Yeah. Um, I have found myself in the middle, embroiled in the middle of uh, the geek fandom community becoming very vitriolic and toxic and split right down the middle. And I'm going to throw this out there for, for you guys to uh, weigh in on weigh in on and and you know see if you agree disagree and and for our fans to weigh in on as well but we are at this place now and this doesn't just you know apply to diesel punk steampunk this applies to you know comic book conventions sci-fi cons you know cosplay you know our our tribe you know they might be different different areas or different focuses but these are our people at the end of the day and we seem to find ourselves in this weird place where on one end of the spectrum, you have these, um, these outraged um, men's rights activists and, and white supremacists and, and just these, what, what I call butthurt fanboys, uh, these misogynist fanboys um, on one side, and on the other side, you have these extreme leftist social justice warriors who, you know, if you say the wrong thing or you think the wrong thing or you look at someone the wrong way, then you are ostracized and excommunicated from the from the uh, community. Um, you know, you have to think like us, talk like us, walk like us. And, and they're two extremes, right? These are the two extremes of fandom right now. But the problem is the people in the middle that can see the shades of gradation, who can see and think rationally and understand that, you know, not everything is on one side or the other, that there's places in between. And we're, we're intelligent enough to see this and recognize it. And we find ourselves caught in the middle, but then being labeled by one side or the other, if we don't you know, join a side, take a stand. They label us as the opposite. You know, the the social justice warriors label us as misogynists. The misogynists label us as social justice warriors. Nobody wants anything to do with each other. And it's creating this huge chasm in fandom. And I, I know, Daisy, you're, you're kind of plugged into uh, fandom in, in Memphis. I've had conversations with people in Memphis that are experiencing the same thing. And, you know, people who were with conventions for long term, you know, president, you know, presidents of boards, organizers, they're getting out they're, they, they They can't they can't operate in this chasm in this toxic environment anymore. And I'm just curious if everybody else is seeing the same thing. I well, won't. honestly, I mean, I, I don't, um, I don't often lift the curtain and look behind the scenes at conventions. I don't hear a lot about this interior drama unless it's extremely juicy or someone I know is involved. But I, I have not um, heard of that of people complaining about that in Memphis. But maybe you know something I don't. Well, I do because you know I'm. I work with convention organizers and I, I've, you know, been on the board of several cons and, and, you know, it's a small community. We all talk and, you know, we all know what's going on. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, 
it's it's gotten out of control. You know, the the I, I I'm gonna say this at the risk of offending some of our listeners, but the the Me Too movement has gone way overboard in in the in the aspect that now uh, suspicion and innuendo is accepted as fact, and you know before any facts can be you know investigated, people are lose their jobs, their lives are destroyed, and on the other side, you know we've got these guys living in their parents' basements uh, who've never seen sunlight or kissed a girl driving. You know, Johnny, can I? Can I come out with this thing, something about the yeah. parents' basements thing? Yeah. A lot of these guys look like normal guys, and they some a lot of them will have jobs, and they will have places of their own, and they will seem successful. And they kind of, you know, can insinuate themselves into the society easier that way. It's not just guys on keyboards in their parents' basements anymore. It's people out there... In society, you know, they live, Johnny. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and I, you know, I use that as an exaggeration. But, but the 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 mentality of these grown up boys is the same. Yeah, the mentality you know, is the same. Yeah, they they're threatened by change. Um, they're threatened by change. They're threatened by uh, strong women. They're threatened by people of color. They're threatened by. Um, you know, anything that uh, doesn't sync up with their perception of what their make-believe fantasy reality should be. And, and that's what we're talking about here is make-believe. And so we, we've got these two extremes of people who celebrate fantasy worlds but can't tell the difference in what is real and what is not real. I'll tell you what I think. And wait, does does Larry have anything to say about this? Because I could run long. Well, see, I'm out of the community. I have not been to a convention since we all went to uh, Mississippi together. Uh, so I really kind of out of touch and you know like the you saying i'm back in the you know early late 80s or early 90s we used to say i'm out of the loop and i like it that way uh so honestly i think i mm-hmm, i think i find uh, myself in the same place yeah so no i really i mean i see the media you know yahoos get their you know undies in the wad over an all-female ghostbusters remember that nonsense uh, so, um, other than, you know, the, that group and, um, yeah, I worry sometimes about, you know, people who are caught up, um, with, you know, like when Garrison Keillor was, you know, uh, you know, basically sacked from a Minnesota public radio. Because he once touched a woman on the back, and then years later she complained about it. You know, uh, I've heard them say nonsense about Stan Lee. You know, uh, so uh, I worry um, that it's going to harm the movement where legitimate cases like that scumbag, we all know who I'm talking about, producer. Um, 
You can so, say Weinstein. Weinstein, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, that's gum. You know, with scum like that, uh, where in the future I'm worried that some scumbag like that was a, oh, see, I'm just like all these other innocent men, you know. Uh, I'm not like Bill Cosby. I'm not like Weinstein. And um, that's my fear of that we go. Hopefully we'll find a middle ground. I don't think the 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 you know the unwashed in their parents' basement will ever go away, but um, hopefully we can find a middle ground on all this. Well, and right now, and and I'll let Eric pipe in. Yeah. Right now, the people who are in the middle ground, the rational, sane people, we're the ones who are being pushed out. I think that one of the things that I have noticed as a uh, a content developer, somebody who makes content for the internet. You have these crazy people who say, I'm a fan of yours. I like everything you do except for this one thing. You need to change this one thing. And if you don't, I'm not going to be your fan anymore. I'm not going to like you anymore unless you cave and do what I tell you to do. And there are some content developers who will actually be like, oh, gee, he really likes me. He really likes me. And think that they have to cave because of this one guy who's probably a troll, said, if you don't, I'm not going to be a fan of yours anymore. Then you have the other extreme where you have somebody like James Gunn. James Gunn said some really stupid things that are awful and reprehensible and embarrassing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. He said it 10 years ago on Twitter. Since then, he's cleaned up his act, he's straightened himself out, he's gone on to make some great movies. Two of my favorite movies in the past five years have been the Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I really like what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. I wept for joy because I finally got to see a, a property that I enjoyed on the big screen, like no other. Mm-hmm. And then... You have somebody like Kelly Marie Tran, a beautiful, talented actress who had a role that a lot of people didn't like in a movie that a lot of people didn't seem to like. I happen to really like The Last Jedi. Was it, it, what, is it the best movie since The Empire Strikes Back? No, that's Rogue One. It was not a bad movie, okay? It wasn't a great Star Wars movie, but it's still... And I find it amazing how so many people loved this movie, loved it to pieces. They cried, they laughed, they made it a part of them. And as soon as they go home and they go on Reddit and they read what the other bottom feeders wrote about this, now all of a sudden they have to hate it. And now they're going to go on a crusade and a jihad to make sure that you hate it too. Because if you don't, if you don't despise Kelly Marie Tran, and if you don't despise, despise The Last Jedi, well, I'm going to hound you on social media until you cave. You can't be a true Star Wars fan if you love The Last Jedi. That has got to be one of the dumbest arguments I have ever heard in my life. And God help me, I've been in quite a few of these really (laughs) stupid arguments. And it's like these fanboys are making it horrible for the rest of us. 
I'm not like that. I can go see a Star Wars movie. I can enjoy it for two and a half, almost three hours. Enjoy it for what it is. Buy the soundtrack. Maybe buy the art of or the making of book. And go happily along with the rest of my life with my beautiful wife and kids. And I can go and I can yeah. write. And, and that's it. It's That's it. I can go back and I can enjoy the movie every once in a while. I'm not one of these people who have to rewatch all the movies and all the, you know, from beginning to end every weekend, like some of these other knuckleheads that I know. It's just a damn movie for crying out loud. It's not something that you should ruin your life and the life of other people who is creating content. It's the content creators who are getting the brunt of these trolls who have nothing better to do. Yeah. And and, How do you really feel about it, Eric? Other than that, I I don't have any strong feelings, John. I'm I'm, I'm kind of (laughs) quiet and reserved about the whole thing. But it's it's the content creators who, uh, who are taking the brunt of this. We are the focus of these people who seem to think that they have to take it upon themselves to fix everybody and how they should think and feel about a certain thing. People hated The Empire Strikes Back when it first came out because the ending was shocking. Now, now it's the greatest movie that's ever been put to celluloid. And it was just like, if you try and make a movie that's, that's good like it, then you're copying it. But if you don't try and meet the standard of The Empire Strikes Back, well, you know, you're just giving us the same rehashed, regurgitated drivel. And at some point, it's like, you know... Why bother? Why bother? Why bother? Why bother even having a discussion with these people? There's somebody who I've been, a, I've been friends with for 20 years, since 1998, I've been a friend of this guy. And I've, he and I have seen each other through thick and thin. He has a loathing of all the new Star Wars movies. And he will even go so far as defend the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith as high quality, high watermarks in the Star Wars universe. Well, that shows you how his opinion is. Yeah. And they retroactively change their opinions. about, And they will tell you what a genius George Lucas was for the great things he did in The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace was a fantastic film. So much better than The Last Jedi and so much better than The Force Awakens. And I says, wait a minute. (laughs) I actually have screen captures of you lamenting about how awful this movie was. Five and how years we ago. need to get it out of George Lucas's hands. It's and it's like I think that I, I I won't say it. Daisy won't say it. Larry may not say it. These people are losers because they have nothing better to do with their lives. They can't create Star Wars content because George's retired and George has not anointed these people yet. So since they can't create Star Wars, since George Lucas has not tapped them on the shoulder to direct the next Star Wars movie, well, damn it, they're going to ruin it for everybody who else is. Can I get well, a, with can, that... Can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Okay. 
Eric, can we come back? To, can we come back to Star Trek for just one second? Do okay. it. This is what bugs me when people always say, oh, but that's not what Gene Roddenberry would have wanted. Oh, that's not part of Gene's vision. Look, Gene Roddenberry didn't always hit it 100% himself either. In fact, he was responsible for the first movie being the way it was. Yeah, and when they yeah. kicked him upstairs to a more advisory role, we got the Wrath of Khan. Right. So, yes, Gene Roddenberry did us a great service by creating this world. But he was not the only one who made it good. Have you have you read any of the other things that I've said about Gene Roddenberry in the past couple of years? I have been very critical of Gene Roddenberry and the way that he has stolen credit for everything that everybody did while working under under him up until yes maybe a year or so before he died. He stole the credit for everything everybody else did. He stole the credit for what Matt Jeffries did. He stole the credit for the, the, the collaboration that some of the writers did. You, listen to what Harlan Ellison has to say about what Gene Roddenberry did uh, with his well, script. I was a, yeah, I was just agreeing with what you said about your opinion of how people talk like George Lucas is the only one with a say in Star yeah, Wars. Right. I feel the same way when people complain about new Star Trek and they say, oh, it's not what Gene would have wanted. Well, sometimes what Gene would have wanted gets you things like the motion picture. Because uh, the thing is, George Lucas and um, Gene Roddenberry, they're best when they are collaborating with other people then they're able to hear other people's ideas. Yes. I, I, agree. I do agree. It takes, it takes, you know, it, it takes a village to create a good, a good film. You know, it takes a whole more than a village. It takes a city, a metropolis <laughs> of people. To it, get it, these things it, off it, the ground it does, and good. It does. But I, I think that the major question I think everybody should be asking themselves, because this is not something we're going to handle in one podcast. I think t toxic fandom is going to be the biggest issue that we're going to tackle over the next couple of years. Whereas um, toxic fans who claim that they love the property more than anybody else are actually responsible for putting a taint on it that is, is kind of hard to wash off. These well, fans who, um, they think they own it and that it belongs to them and that they are owed something by the creators. Johnny, did you hear how I threw my voice and I made it sound like daisies? Did, did you hear how I did that? I, I, I did. I did. And, <laughs> um, you know, so I'll just say this and we're going to move off this. Um, you know, uh, I think you're right, Eric. We're going to be dealing with this for, for years to come, and, and eventually it will swing back the other way. But isn't it ironic that the community that was bullied for years and years and years have become the bullies? And, and I'm gonna, we're, we're going to jump off this topic and, and move on to something fun and exciting. Um, I, I just emailed you guys a preview copy in PDF format of a brand new diesel punk novel that is burning up Amazon. It's called Tin Can Tommy's The Darkest Hour. And, and this is 
golly. This is pure diesel punk. Wow. Uh, so you guys need to check this out. It's on Amazon. Um, reviews are awesome. Uh, the author is Mark C. Jones. And, um, you know, he's really vexed that Amazon doesn't have a diesel punk category in their book listings. And this is a conversation I've had with uh, uh, Bard Constantine and with Dan Glazer. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to change that. But um, it's, uh, I don't know, Amazon's being resistant. But I want you guys to take a, take a look at this. this is, it's a big book. Um, it's it's a, a hefty book. But if you look just at the, uh, at the cover, I love the cover artwork. You've got these uh, clockwork robotic soldiers in World War II. And um, basically that is the gist of the story. But it's 359 pages. And um, it's 359 pages of pure, unadulterated diesel punk. Wow, I've got to check that out. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, you guys have a have a preview copy, courtesy of Mark, in your email inboxes as we speak. Wow, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm going to have to review this and give it five stars everywhere I go. This is like that's right. This this is this is. This is exactly what we've been waiting for for the past couple of years. I think that, and to sort of like tackle something that we had said later, this diesel punk content like this. I know you can't see it because this is this is this is a podcast, but I'm waving this book in the air. This is the kind of stuff that we've been waiting for. This is the kind of stuff that we should be supporting here. I'm looking at some of the car the the the, the artwork right here. This is right up our alley. If you love diesel yeah. punk. If you're a diesel punk or a deco punk, Tin Can Tommies is exactly what you need to be reading right now. You look at this and it was just like, it's it's like they took a photograph of some of my dreams. It, it absolutely is that, that way. And, um, you know, along those lines, there have been some great new releases uh, in recent months. Um, since our last episode, Eric, um, our buddy um, Mr. Jackson uh, has released his... Uh, down jersey drive shaft in print and uh, he's been marketing the fire out of it and um, doing really great with that but you know we went through this kind of i, I don't want to say um lull or dry spell i guess it was a kind of a dry spell where you know there wasn't a whole lot of content coming out and then all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks, we've had a ton of diesel punk con content hit. Um, so Tin Can Tommies uh, is out. Um, just last week, uh, two huge Kickstarter campaigns launched. Uh, the Kickstarter campaign for Tommy Gun Dolls Volume Two, the uh, graphic novel, and um, you know that's by uh, our our good friend Dan Cooney and. Um, in just two days, Eric, they have topped 30% of their goal in just two days of the uh, campaign for Tommy Gundahl's Volume 2. If you're not familiar with this graphic novel, the or original graphic novel, the first volume, it's about a group of 
San Francisco burlesque dancers who uh, are also vigilante bank robbers. And um, great, great book. Uh, Volume 2 is uh, underway, Kickstarter right now. And uh, we're going to try to have Dan on the program real soon. He's uh, really busy working on it, but uh, he wants to come on and talk to uh, our listeners. And also, our pal Paul Roman Martinez has launched the Kickstarter for the latest print edition of The Adventures of the 19XX. I think this is volume five. Um, I need to look that up. I I should have done that before the show. But... um, you know, this has been, Larry, you and I started talking about the adventures of the 19XX on our very first <laughs> podcast because mm-hmm. it was one of the first um, diesel punk comics out there. And if you'll remember, it um, it started as a web comic yes, and, it did. and uh, got enough support that, uh, that it... Uh, Went to print, and uh, our very first giveaway on the show was uh, a copy of um, of uh, Volume 1. Okay, so this is Volume 4. I'm sorry, Book 4. Uh, Famine, 1937, is the name of the uh, story. And uh, so it, the, the campaign launched uh, six days ago. They've already raised uh, almost $11,000 in six days. So... Um, if you're not familiar with the 19XX by Paul Roman Martinez, it is just like, like Tin Can Tommies. It is the stuff of our dreams. It's like, um, you know, Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow meets Harry Houdini meets uh, Captain America meets um, the Rocketeer. It's it's got everything in a big old stew. Is as uh, uh, what's his face, Apollo Cree would say, but um, um, anyway, that that's coming out. So those are two big projects that diesel punks can get behind and make a reality. Book four of the Adventures in the Nineteen XX. But guys, this is what I'm most excited about. So I don't know that I've talked about it on the podcast very much because. I didn't know if it was going to actually happen. I posted links to their Kickstarter. And, you know, we're, we're t- already we're talking about three Kickstarter campaigns. I'm going to talk about a fourth. Right now, that seems to be the method of choice for content developers in niche markets. And so it's, it's become more important for uh, people to support those projects. But... It's really cool because it allows creators to have a really, really intimate connection to their fandoms. Um, so I haven't talked about this one, though, because I wasn't sure it was going to get funded. I posted some links to it. I funded it. But if you haven't heard, in November, they, re- they reached their goal and the physical product will be in the homes by mid-November. A company got the rights to reproduce the 1980s classic diesel punk board game, Fireball Island. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And if you've not played Fireball Island, it's basically Indiana Jones meets Tales of the Gold Monkey. 
it, it takes place on a you know on a south pacific island and uh you know you're racing against time against the volcano exploding to uh you know to collect treasures and escape the island and um it's it's it was so awesome back in the day and um it was short-lived in the 80s but this company you know they got the rights to it they've they're relaunching it they created all of these expansion and mini games to go along with it and i i backed it i funded it and i'll be getting my edition of fireball island in november now here's the great news anyone who wants to get fireball island and didn't contribute to the kickstarter you can still get it because they're taking orders on their on their website uh just just look up kickstarter fireball island and you'll find it um but if you're into board games and you love diesel punk pulp action and adventure you gotta get this gotta get it and um so that's fun and then you guys two days ago Lucky Duck Games. I, I'm I'm really big into board games. I, I think we've talked about that before. But Lucky Duck Games launched the Kickstarter for Jetpack Joyride, the board game. Now, if you've not played the the, the video game on your iOS devices, it is basically the Rocketeer. Um, you strap a jetpack to your back and you go flying through adventures and and action adventures and they've created a, a a board game version of it they launched the kickstarter two days ago they met their funding in two days i'm super excited that in january after i've played fireball island to death i'm gonna get the next diesel punk mega hit board game jetpack joyride so that's what's going on in my life, in pop culture, and uh, things that diesel punks out there can look forward to and enjoy. I think that one of the things that I've been looking forward to, uh, summer is going to be more than halfway over when this when this podcast is, is, is published. Um, autumn seems to be the time when um, diesel punks really sort of come out of uh, you know from hiding, and we start to actually like look forward to you know doing things like you know refreshing our wardrobe and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I'm also doing is is that I'm I'm reaching out to ask people, hey, listen, got any new content you want us to publish on the Fedora Chronicles? Um, my buddy Jason Cousineau, uh reached out to me, and he's going to um, start doing the Cousineau report. Because uh, he's got some things out west in diesel punk nature that he'd like to be able to share um, from uh, Salt Lake City and beyond out west. I'd like to get him on the show sometime in the not too distant future and see if we can get him to chit chat about what's going on in the west coast side of things. So that's that's my big thing to share right there. Um, now, what about Larry and Daisy? Do they got anything good going on on their ends? Daisy, I think you said you had something, uh, an anime you've been watching? Yeah, uh, you know, um, I'm the anime person around these parts, and uh, I've just started watching a series which is available for streaming on Crunchyroll. It's called 91 Days, mm. and um, 
what drew me in was the diesel era prohibition setting, which, you know, there's no magic or fantasy or sci-fi involved that I can see so far. So I wouldn't call it diesel punk, but it has two of those three criteria that people look for, you know, mm-hmm. and um, basically it's, there's a lot of mob intrigue. There's a lot of revenge. There's a lot of, um, you know, if you're really, if you like mob movies, you will like 91 Days. If And it's very um, theatrically done. It's not like your standard anime series. So um, it's, it's kind of different. And I kind of dig it because it's, it seems to be more like, you're watching a film every time you watch an episode, basically. Wow. That really sounds good. You know, that's kind of the type of anime I like, too. I like it when it's very realistic. Um, the same type of anime we saw in uh, Ghost in the Shell, for example. That sounds very interesting. And brother, and, uh, huh? It has one of the most hateable villains I've run across in a while, too. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy waiting to see if this guy gets his comeuppance. Oh, that sounds like fun. Um, okay, thanks, uh, thanks, Daisy. Now, the main, the two, the one of the main things I've seen. I don't know if everybody's heard this, but back in on June twenty eighth, Scott Bradley made an announcement uh, in one of his videos that Postmodern Jukebox was going to take the summer off. It's what maybe why you haven't seen any new videos recently. And uh, he's calling it the end of season one. Um, that was one long season. Um, but that they would be back in the fall. So we're not going to see uh, any new uh, PMJ for a while, folks. Um, which is kind of a shame because I was, you know, anticipating every Thursday, you know, a new PMJ video was being released. And sometimes twice a week because he had some East Coast stuff going. Um, so, um, we're not going to have a new PMJ for a while, but, and Johnny, I want you to take note of this part, okay? Yeah. Um, PMJ Search 2018 is about to start. Uh, there, you know, for those that don't know, Post Mountain Jukebox has every year an ongoing search, talent search, for new talent. That's where some of these fantastic voices come from. Is that he seeks out new talent. And um, they announced on their Facebook page back on July 4th. That the 2018 PMJ search was coming soon. It didn't have a date. Didn't have that kind of detail. But the uh, several ways you can find out about it. Hashtag PMJ search one way you can also go to their website postmodernjukebox.com slash pmj underscore search and from there you can uh you can put in some details and you can put your name uh and then uh you can submit your application that way so uh and uh, johnny i've you know we've seen you you know we've heard you Senior entertain, you're a fantastic entertainer, great singer, and if you haven't ever put in for the PM search, PMJ search, man, you ought to. Well, 
Um, well, I will definitely be doing that. Um, I did their last one, but uh, the video I had wasn't really that great. It sounded okay, but um, you know, it didn't really sh- showcase uh, my showmanship the way that I would like to. But uh, you know, since then, uh, I've added a lot of uh, new material and been working on a lot of their material in particular. And that's that's kind of the rule: you have to submit uh, one of their songs. Mm. Um, in the search so uh yeah i'll i'll have to make sure to look that up take a look uh because man i can i can see scott bradley on the piano i can see adam on the bass you know uh Haley on one side backing you up you know a little tap dancer and you in the middle in your zoot suit belting it out i think that'd be fantastic i think that would be awesome i would that would be a dream come true and uh if anyone has any stroke with Scott Bradley, you know, just shoot him a note and say, hey, take a look at this fellow. We're actually friends on Facebook, but uh, I don't know that he actually knows who I am or what I do. But, uh, you know, that social media thing, it's yeah. not reality. Right. But it's not. not? Uh, what? What? <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> I, uh, what am I wasting my time on here for? Social media is not real? Oh, no. Oh, quick. <laughs> oh, and you know you were talking about comics, Johnny. This yeah. is a new Diesel Punk game. Um, uh, the website Game of Sutra back on July twelfth uh, announced a game, Earhart. Now this one's been coming along for a while. Oh yes, the, yes, yes. And they even here's the headline. Here's how it reads: Captivating Diesel Punk Adventure. Earhart Heart set to soar onto PC and PS4 later this month with additional consoles to follow. The game that was back on July 12th. Game was released July 24th. So I uh, have seen that. Mm-hmm. I've seen the video clips of that. Um, I'm not a big video gamer, so uh, you know it kind of breeze by my radar but um, now that you bring that up, uh, you know we have a PS4 here, so um, I think uh, my son works at GameStop, so mm. I think we might have to take a look at that and invest in that. I'm still waiting for Cuphead to come out for uh, PS4 or the Nintendo Switch, but um, that's neither here nor there. Mm. So, you know, the only other thing I had was there's a new movie coming out. It's quite a ways off um, called Operation Finale. It's not diesel punk, and it's not even necessarily set during the era, but it involves tracking. It's set in the 1960s, tracking down um, ex Nazis on the run. I'm, look, I'm uh, looking at the, the like Adolf Eichmann. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the the Internet Movie Database because you had mentioned this in in our one of our show notes here, and of course, Pooh Bear has to try and take over my screen. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Larry, I am so glad that you reminded us of, of this. Go ahead, buddy. So, in, oh, well, yeah, well sure. Uh, so the way the tagline, I think is IMDB is where I got this soundbite from. Mossad agent Peter Malkin embarks on a covert mission to Argentina in 1960 to track down Adolf Eichmann, the Nazi officer who masterminded the transportation logistics that brought millions of innocent Jews to their deaths in concentration camps. 
guys with you know I hear these horror stories that X number of people don't even know about the uh, Auschwitz. They don't know about the Holocaust. This is a timely movie. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. it needs to be never forget, never again, never again, never forget. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. And uh, you know, speaking of movies and and TV, we're only about a month away, guys. From season three of Man in the High Castle. Ooh, I can't wait. They're, they're, they're saying September is, is when it drops. So that's that's on its way. And then uh, the, the entire original cast returns, mm. set in the you know, magical 1930s New York, London. We're going to see the origin, basically, of, of Dumbledore. Um, cool cool sequel that's something to look forward to i love the first movie that is so pure diesel punk yeah it is yeah it is it's so diesel punk i can smell the fumes uh, <laughs> I, I i will i, I will i will tell I remember you remember that i will tell you this is uh, you know because the thing is like last year i was like oh this is the best time to be a diesel punk and then, no, oh, now is the best time to be a diesel punk. And now in mm. 2019, I think I'm going to be saying, I was wrong about 2017 and 2018. This is the best time. I, I, I don't know what makes me happier, what makes me more excited, whether it's, uh, you know, the new, it's, is it a Harry Potter spinoff? I don't know. Um you know that movie man in the high castle these are like exactly the kind of movies that it's like when it's a wet cold autumn afternoon on the weekend or at night this is exactly the kind of thing that you just want to settle in with with a little bit of brandy or scotch whatever your thing is and and just kick back and just relax and just like just get back into it i think i think it's awesome i think it's incredible i'm excited i'm like i hate i mean i love i love summer I love the freedom of summer, but I also like autumn. I like I like it being summer and me looking forward to autumn. Does that make any sense? Well, it does because it's harder to uh, do diesel era attire mm-hmm. in the summer because it's so damn hot. Yeah, yeah. So I wear a three-piece suit when the actual temperature in the shade is 110 outside. Uh-uh. Well, there you go. There is the abrupt ending that I warned you about. Uh, we all did not have the chance to properly sign off, so I think I'll have to do that right now. On behalf of Daisy O'Dare, Sean Pica, Larry Amiet, and myself, Eric Render Kingfisk, we're going to sign off. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks. This has been the Federal Chronicles Radio Show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk Podcast. 
You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landron Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off, and keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>